0: Let's open our Bibles to Micah chapter 4. We finished the third chapter in our last lesson. We'll pick up with the fourth chapter. And the first five verses have to do with the future glory. And it's very prophetic as far as uh, in the last days and beyond this day and age of grace. And then verses 6 through 13, the restoration and final victory. And of course, we're talking about Israel and we're talking about other nations that will flow into Jerusalem and when uh, they're converted and a remnant of them are saved, and the Lord establishes His kingdom in the top of the mountains. And that will be the very first verse of our lesson tonight in chapter 4, verse 1. And that there will be a time of peace and prosperity and safety. And we'll run across these things as we study this passage of Scripture. So, let's look at chapter 4, if you will. and verse 1, it says, But in the last days... Now, we're taken immediately to the last days. It shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and He will teach us of His ways, and we will walk in His paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. These first two verses. And we see it applies to the last days, and thus it's prophetic of the end times. And to these words of Micah agree the words of uh, Jeremiah, and also the words of Isaiah. In Jeremiah, let me read a verse of Scripture, if I can find it. I believe it's in uh, chapter 26 and verse 18. It says, Micah the Morashite, and that's the one we're studying, Jeremiah 26 and verse 18, prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah and spake to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high places of a, of a forest. Now he's speaking of a historical event as well as uh, referring to uh, the mountain that will be plowed like a field in the future destruction. There's also, there was a destruction in the days of Hezekiah and the Babylonian captivity and the Assyrian captivity. But I'd like to refer you basically back to Isaiah chapter 2, if you will. And these are the exact words of... Uh, of what Micah said, Isaiah chapter two. Now you have verse one and two. The words of Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw that the son of Am. Uh, the words that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now look in verse two. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it, and many people shall go and say, Come, ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the, of the Lord. "...to the house of the God of Jacob, and He will teach us of His ways, and we will walk in His paths. For out of the Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And He shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many. And they shall beat their the swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more." So Isaiah and Micah... Now turn back to Micah, chapter 4, if you will... He's speaking of the the same thing. Now, someone says, well, Micah uh, copied Isaiah. And others say Isaiah copied Micah. But the Holy Spirit gave them both the same message. And we're not going to go back and worry about who is quoting who or whether either one are quoting each other. Because if God gave one of them the message, He could give the other one the message, the same message. So we're not going to get into that category of, of controversy that many people have tried to establish and say, well, you know they plagiarized one or the other, but we're not going to get into that. Because we know the Holy Spirit is the director of all of it. And there are many things in the New Testament that we will find that uh, the Holy Spirit gives the interpretation of what these prophets say anyway and brings it into focus when it's necessary to use and quote from the Old Testament prophets. Now then, so just hold your place in Micah, if you will, chapter 4. And we'll study it from, from this book instead of going all over to the other prophecies. So let's look at it again. Chapter 4, verse 1. But, it, but in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow into it and many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob and He will teach us of His ways and we will walk in His paths for the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Let's go ahead and read verse 3 and 4. So we'll get the... uh, connection and then we'll come back and talk about both all of this. And he shall judge among many people. The Lord's going to be the judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off and they shall beat their swords into plowshares that means they'll quit fighting. Certainly it's not fulfilled today is. It? And their spears into pruning hooks so they'll use all of their uh, implements of war and turn them into implements of uh, agriculture, and it says, Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. All the military academies will be shut down. But they shall set every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. Mind these four verses, you have a lot of things. Th- this applies to the future glory, not only of Israel and of the millennium, but of nations that will be converted in the end time. And nations will be coming up to Jerusalem to worship, the center of worship in those days. And we'll find in the book of Revelation chapter 20 after the Lord comes back from heaven back to this earth and all the wicked nations are judged that there will be a millennial reign of peace and righteousness. And I believe that that... Reign is in view here because if you study that, one, that passage we gave you in the book of Isaiah chapter 2, you'll find that he continues to say, if you want to turn back there, just glance for a moment. And you'll turn back there and see the nature of the rule and reign and the peace and prosperity. Look back in chapter 2 of Isaiah and we'll pick up with verse 5 because we just read down through verse 4. Notice, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Therefore thou hast... Forsaken thy people in the house of Jacob, because they replenished from the east, and are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they please themselves in the children of strangers. Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there uh, any end to their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, neither is there any end of their chariots. And he goes on to, uh, to say, their land is also full of idols, they worship the work of their own hands." That Which their own fingers have made, and so the mean man boweth down, and the great man humbleth himself. Therefore, uh, therefore, forgive them not. And so we find that that the context is that Israel is going to suffer for their sins that they have committed. But if you turn over to the eleventh chapter of Isaiah, it tells us, beginning with verse. uh, Well, let's just begin reading with verse one. It says, "And there shall come forth a, a rod out of the stem of Jesse." We know that's referring to Christ. "...and a branch shall grow up out of his roots." The branch is Christ. "...and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his own eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears." But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth, look, with a rod of his mouth. That's what's going to happen. The Bible says Jesus will rule him with a rod of iron. And it says, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And the righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, that's Christ, and faithfulness the girdle of his strength. Now, it goes to describe the nature of the, of the uh, rule there. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. There's the peace of the millennium. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. Now he grabs the kid and eats the kid, doesn't he? Kid goat. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den, den of vipers, snakes. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an instant of the people. To it shall... The Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from the Assyrian and from Egypt. By the way, the Assyrian in the Old Testament is typical of the Assyrian and Egypt in the, in the book of Revelation. So we won't go on, but let's turn back to the book of Micah now. What we're saying is that both of these are prophesying of a time when there will be a future glory. And it's a time beyond the age of the church. Now to apply these words, even in a spiritual way, to this present age or to the church is to make a great mistake. Many people have applied these things that we've studied in Isaiah and here in Micah. To the church and its glory. It's not talking about the church's glory. By the way, if you, if you look at the top of your Bible, most likely it says the church's glory. I know it does mine. But these are put in by men. Does yours say that? Mine does. It says the church's glory. Yeah. Okay. We're not talking about the church. We're talking about Israel. We're talking about a future final victory. We're talking about the glory that shall come. And it's only going to come when the Prince of Peace comes. And you find it in the book of Revelation. Now remember, all these titles that you find in your Bible are not divinely inspired. It's the Scripture that's divinely inspired. In fact, when you get over the book, book of Revelation, you know what it says? The first, very, It's the very heading. It says, The Revelation of St. John the Divine. It's not the revelation of St. John the Divine. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so these titles, you know, it, it, it would be, well, if all of us understand that sometimes they're helpful and sometimes they're not depending upon uh, whether they got it right or not. (laughs) But this really is a great mistake if you apply this to the church. The house of the Lord here is not the church, but the house in Jerusalem, to which uh, the nations and kingdoms of nations will come to worship the Lord of hosts. And the nation will be judged and rebuked, and God's throne will be established in Jerusalem. Then and only then comes the time of a universal peace that we read of in uh, Isaiah and here in in verses uh, 2-4. through The peace only will come when the Prince of Peace comes back to this earth and establishes peace upon the earth. I know we're doing all kinds of things nationwide, worldwide. People have different ideas about what's taking place. And it's true that we should fight present dangers and that we should deal with situations because God has given us that knowledge and ability. And we should uh, not just let Evil rule and reign when we can put it down. But on the other hand, the only time that real peace is going to come is when Jesus comes and brings peace to Israel and to all the surrounding nations. And then all nations that come there to worship will be there in a sense of peace and prosperity. We'll get into the prosperity of it in just a moment. Now, if you notice verse uh, 3, we'll read it again, verse 3 and 4. Well, verse 2 says... uh, Let's not skip it over quickly as I have. It says, "...and many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord into the house of the God of Jacob, and He will teach us of His ways." I mean, these are nations that are converted. Jesus is going to destroy all the wicked nations, all the goat nations, when He comes at the battle of Armageddon in Revelation 19, and a great judgment will take place. But then after that, there's going to be peace and prosperity. And there, there will be some that will turn. And it says here, uh, He will teach us of His ways and we will walk in His paths. That looks to me like repentance and surrender and willingness to turn to God. For the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, in verse 3 it says... And he shall judge among the many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. Then it says, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. As we've already stated, they'll turn these implements of warfare into implements of agriculture and there'll be peace and prosperity. It says, nation shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn of war any more. Now verse four says, "But they shall set every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it." Turn to the book of First Kings, chapter four, verse twenty-five. That was a condition of Israel and Judah that's spoken of in the kings when they would be through with their warfare in the old days. It says, 1 Kings four twenty-five, and Judah and Israel shall dwell safely every man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan even to the Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. He's talking about the peace and prosperity in Solomon's day. And the same term is used to talk about a future of uh, safety, peace, and prosperity. You see that First Kings 4.25? All the days of Solomon. They had this wonderful, peaceful condition. Then after Solomon died, and Rehoboam and Jeroboam, the kingdom was divided, and, and everything began to really... Uh, have problems, so well, then they had uh, their sins, they went back into idolatry, and their sins again had to be judged, and they were judged, and the prophets of old spoke against uh, them for their sins they had committed and the idols that they worshipped. All right, back in Micah chapter 4, verse 4. So when it says, But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. Will not it be a time of peace when the Lord establishes a peaceful reign upon this whole earth? And that's what the only time that, that it's going to ever happen. I know we've got all these things that they're trying to do today. The UN met today and they had a Colin Powell's speech and they had all this stuff revealed. And sure enough, it is true that Saddam Hussein is trying to hide everything. He's not trying to cooperate, and he will from now on. He never has any intention of doing that. But on the other hand, what is the answer? We don't know the answer. And that's what they're, they're worrying about today. So, uh, and, and we don't know what's going to happen. In fact, our own nation, they say that the threat is heightened in our own country uh, from the, uh, from the uh, terrorist groups. And it probably is. And I'm... I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. But I will say this, that it looks like that we will be attacked again in our own nation at some time or other. When some of those uh, guys get loose and they have the opportunity to do us evil, they will do it. And we just as well expected because it's going to come. Because there's hatred all over the world. There's all kinds of things. And when we try to, to promote peace, it doesn't seem that some people take it that way. But on the other hand, Uh, We do the best we can. Let's get back to this. In verse 5 it says, For all the people will walk, every one, in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Now you'll find that there are some nations that will yet have to be converted from their false gods and turn to God. And we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, verse 6, saith the Lord... Will I assemble her that halteth? And I will gather her that is driven out and her that I have afflicted. Who is he he afflicted? Israel and the nation in the book of Revelation will go through much pain and travail and suffering before they're converted. And not all will be converted. It's going to talk about a remnant. That's a small number of the multitudes, but there will be some. Notice, I will make her that halteth a remnant and her that was cast cast far off a strong nation. And the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion, and henceforth even forever. And thou, sh- and thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion, the kingdom shall uh, come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why dost thou cry out aloud? Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselor perished? For pangs have taken thee as a woman in travail. And you'll find it uh, in the... Book of Revelation. This travail speaks, actually, of the travail and the suffering, or the great tribulation that that nation and people will go through. That's the travail. And out of that travail, there's another scripture says, before Zion, listen, before Zion travailed, she brought forth children. Then it says, who hath heard such thing? Did you ever see a woman bring forth a child without travail? And it says, behold, Zion. Before Zion travailed, she brought forth children. Not so. He says, who has heard such thing? It's after the travail that the children are brought forth. And so it's after Israel's pain and suffering in the great tribulation that the fruit will be brought forth or the remnant will be converted and that there will be peace and righteousness and these things that we've already pointed out will be the condition that exists. Verse uh, 10 says, be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. Now, there's a Babylon of the Old Testament. And remember, there's a great wicked Babylon in the book of Revelation. There, shall, there shalt thou be delivered. There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. Let's stop there for a moment. If you go over to the book of Revelation, in the twelfth chapter... Look at the 12th chapter of Revelation, if you will. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. You know, there's no one that can be represented by these symbols other than Israel. Remember Joseph's dream? He said the sun and the moon would bow down to him. Then he speaks of his leaven and the. Uh, the Eleven stars, the brothers. Joseph was the twelfth. Son and the moon was uh, Jacob. And and the mother, his wife. And he said that they would bow down before him. Well, we know the situation in the book of uh, Genesis where uh, they did bow down to him when they came for corn in Egypt when Joseph was ruler. And so the symbolism carries over to here. No one but the nation of Israel. It's not the church. Some people have made this the church. Some have talked about it being the Virgin Mary. We know that Mary brought forth the man-child. That's true, that Christ was born, but He was born of Israel. not Even though He was born of a woman, the nation itself is what's in view here. The nation. And He was born of a woman of that nation. And of course, we have all kinds of uh, uh, people claiming to be that woman uh, that brought forth this man-child. It's not the Virgin Mary, though Christ was born of Mary. It's not the uh, professing church. Christian scientists claim the founder of their faith to be a wom- the woman that was uh, spoken of here. Mary Baker, Eddie Glover, Patterson, and so on. Three more husbands. I mean, she was sure a pure woman to, have, to be the one that was in view here, wasn't she? I don't think that uh, that's what uh, John meant here in the book of Revelation. I don't think he meant uh, Christian scientists. And you know, there have been many groups Adventists have called themselves to be the one spoken of here. There have been all, cults of all, of all kinds. And even in the ignorance of, of the New Testament church, there have been many church, people that believe it's the church is spoken of here. But it can neither be the church. It's, it's Israel. Because that's the only one that's figured by the sun and the moon and the twelve stars. And it says in verse 2, And she being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there there another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads now this dragon is Satan and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and it cast them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born now we know that every attempt of the devil when Jesus was born and came from Israel the nation she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron that can be none other than Jesus and her child was caught up into the God and to His throne. And this woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God. She's now in the book of Revelation. She'd be in the wilderness to be protected by God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. That's three and a half years. The last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. So when you compare Scripture with Scripture, you'll see that what uh, Micah, turn back to the book of Micah, that this redemption will only come after there's travail of that nation. Let's look at it. Micah 4, and verse 10. It says, Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. There, there, shall, there shalt thou be delivered. Out of that time, you look Babylon's prominent in those chapters in Revelation. It says... There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. Save thee, redeem thee, deliver thee from the hand of thine enemies. And then it says in verse 11, Now also many nations are gathered against thee. Remember, many nations are going to be gathered against uh, God's people in that particular time. That, that say, let her be defiled and let our eye look upon Zion. Many nations are gathered against thee. Look in the book of Zechariah, if you will. Zechariah. Chapter twelve, verse two: Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. Drop on the whole chapter is good, but drop down to verse eight. In that day, saith the Lord, defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, and as the angel of the Lord before them. It shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to, look, to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and the spirit of, supp- and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. In Revelation 1 7, say, they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. God says, they shall look upon me. The me is him that they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is bitter of his firstborn. Then he talks about the battle of Armageddon. In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of uh, Hadarim in the valley of Megiddo. And you go on down to uh, the 14th chapter. The 14th chapter, verse 1 of Zechariah. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. Look, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rivaled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not uh, be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when He fought in the day of battle. And then the Lord Jesus is going to come in power and great glory. And His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the east... And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and, the, and uh, there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And it goes on to tell of uh, what's going to happen in the last days. Verse 11: And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely look at that. Verse 11 is good. Safely inhabited. Back in Micah now. Chapter 4 and verse 12. Well, verse 11 is what we just read. Now, uh, verse 11, we'll read 11 on down and finish it up. Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, Let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel. For he shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. Arise and thrash, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron. Horn speaks of, of power. Iron. And I will make thy hoofs brass. And thou shalt beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. We'll have to close there, but we're going to find in chapter 5 the siege and the smitten judge. Christ will be smitten. And the birth of Christ is prophesied in verse 2. And then the events of the future and Christ's rejection is included in all this. And the remnant of the kingdom of, of Jacob and the kingdom is the last verses of this fifth chapter. So we'll take that up in our next lesson. Thank you for your patience and your kind attention.